0: Welcome to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast aims to bring the sermon from our Sunday morning service to you each and every week. We're currently in our sermon series, Next, The Best is Yet to Come. For the past 20 years of Rolling Hills, we have seen God do more than we could ever imagine. Countless lives have been impacted for eternity. Many have professed their faith through baptism, Adults and children have grown in their faith through discipleship. Campuses have been launched in communities all throughout Middle Tennessee. And the vulnerable and the least have been served throughout the world. God has shown up time and time again. And now we faithfully look ahead to what is next for His church. Knowing that it's not about us and our future, but about God and His perfect plan. Our prayer is that this will be a season that we look back on and see as one where God grew and stretched His people in ways He never has before. We're believing we will see restored relationships, miracles happen right before our eyes, radical salvations, and prodigals returning home. We believe for all of this and more. In this series, we're walking through the book of Nehemiah and how God's call on His people in that day is one He still has for us in 2023. May he find us faithful as we step forward, trusting that the best truly is yet to come. So listen in as we jump into what the Lord has for us today.
1: All right, if you want to go ahead and grab your Bibles, Nehemiah chapter 4 is where we're going to be this morning. As we continue, as, like I said, in this uh, series called Next, as we work through the book of Nehemiah, so Nehemiah chapter 4, uh, and, and this, uh, again, this is not only just a series, it's, it's an initiative. We want to invite you to be a part of all the different pieces of this, especially the prayer time or the prayer uh, initiative starting on October 22nd, those 20 days of prayer. Uh, last week when we worked through Nehemiah, we were in chapter 3, and what we looked at there was the people, the individuals who worked on the wall, who were a part of building that wall. And he kind of shares these different individuals, the names of these people that played a part in building that wall. And we talked about how everybody has a part to play. And it was a special time for us as it was the soft launch of this building or this, this place for us, as kind of the beginnings for us. And we were able to circle up in this room. And again, it's not something we can do every week. It's not something I know you want to do every week. I know some of you were like, Are you about to make us hold hands? And they're like, No, I didn't force you to hold hands. But we did. It was a, it was a great time just to kind of. Kind of to, to circle up in here and, and shoulder to shoulder say, God, God's called us to something incredible. And we want to lock arms. We want to say, God, use us uh, to do what, you're, what you've called us to do, to what you have planned for us here at Rolling Hills in Columbia in our new permanent home. This week, as we look at Nehemiah chapter 4, what we're going to talk about is being prepared for challenges. We're going to talk about being prepared for challenges. We're going to work on a couple that work through the passage and kind of jump around a little bit. But there's one verse that I want to set our attention on and kind of maybe that be our verse kind of to, to jump, jump in and out from. And that's Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. And it should come up on the screen here for you if you don't have your Bible there or don't have a copy of God's Word. We'd love for you to grab one. Uh, they have some in the, in the gallery as you enter uh, there at the next step table. We'd love for you to have one of those. But let me read this for you. This is kind of our, our central verse for this morning. In verse 14, it says, after I looked, this is Nehemiah speaking, after I looked, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, who fights and, excuse me, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for the songs that we get to sing together in celebration of your goodness and the reminder that they are for us, that you are worthy, that your name is worthy above every other name. The name of Jesus its the only name under heaven by which we can be saved. We sing those songs in celebration of who you are and what you've done because you are worthy. I thank you for the moment of of celebration of of families and, and being able, again, to dedicate to you, to say, God, you've given us these great gifts, and we give them back to you in celebration of what you've done and what you're doing. And we thank you for this morning as we open up your word. We're reminded in your word, God, of what you are doing and how you've called us to be a part of what you're doing. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, and, Father, give us the courage to respond in faithfulness to what you've called us to. It's in Christ's strong and mighty name that we pray. Amen and amen. Again, we said we're going to work through, uh, kind of working through chapter 4. But as we work through this, the, the, what, I, what, I, what I see here is some very simple realities and responses that I think we would do well to grasp. And understand and kind of hold on to this morning. And it seems that they're really simple, simple truths that guide us and give us strength that we need to remain faithful no matter what the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And the first one that we kind of work through is your, if you're following on in your worship God, first thing is this, that, that we have a real enemy that brings real opposition. There's some simple things that I think as you work through chapter 4 and, and really kind of focus in on this, on verse 14, there's, there's some real simple things. And the first one is this, that we have a real enemy that brings real opposition. Again, going back to the, the verse we just read, verse 14, He says, After I looked over these things, I stood up and I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. If you go to a, a different translation, the NASB, uh, it, it says that, that those, those opening words in verse 14, it says, When I saw their fear... Says that Nehemiah looks at them, he's looking around at the faces of the people that he's leading. He's looking at them and he sees the fear on their faces. He sees the fear in their eyes and he's aware of what's going on. He's taking stock of what's happening in the lives of these individuals that he's been called to lead, and he sees it. He and, and he sees that fear and he addresses the fear. He points out that fear. He doesn't ignore it. He points, he says, he's aware of what's going on. He sees it. He recognizes the enemy and he points out, he points the enemy and, and he says, them. He says, "Don't be afraid of them." And we have to ask the question of who is them, and if, kind of go back to the to the b- verse one through one through three. You kind of see this, but these guys have been all through the first couple of chapters of Nehemiah. These guys that have kind of always been this opposition. In verse one, it says, Sinbalta ba- Sin heard that they were rebuilding, rebuilding the wall." This is the same guy that in chapter one and two has come against them, and he became angry and was greatly incensed. And he ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from the heaps of rubble, burned as they are? And then another guy, Tobiah, the Ammonite, says, he says, who, 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 was, who was at his side? says, what, what, are they, what are they building? Even a fox could climb upon the wall and break down the wall of stone. He sees the fear in their eyes, but their fear is not unfounded. There's a real enemy that these individuals that are building this wall, these these Jewish people who have taken on this, this task of rebuilding the wall, of bringing security back to their city, there's real enemy that have bad intentions and they're pressing in on the people. And the reality is for us that we all have an enemy as well. And I wanna make, make sure that we get this. Moms and dads, it is not your children. They are not your enemy. They are precious gifts. We just reminded ourselves of that. Husbands, your wife is not your enemy. Wives, your husband is not your enemy. It's not some family member, your brother, parents, kids, your your brother and your sister, your siblings. They're not your enemy. We have a real enemy. Ephesians, Paul tells us in Ephesians, he says, For your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities and against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. We have a real enemy. We have a real enemy. It's not flesh and blood, but it is no less a reality. Peter, it says, he says, be alert and sober-minded, for your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lion seeking to devour. John 10:10, Jesus says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Our enemy, very clearly in scripture, is the evil one, and he's the devil, and he prowls around. It says that he's seeking to kill, steal, and destroy. He's actively working against us. And so at the very beginning, as we look through Nehemiah, what we're talking about is preparing for challenges. The reality is that we have an adversary. We have an enemy. And Nehemiah, he he recognizes that there's an adversary, and he responds to them. He points them out. He says to these guys, and he's seen, he's seen and heard what's going on, and he's seen them mocking them, and, and, and it begins to escalate. And in verses 7 and 8, or kind of the end of verse, uh, verse 7 into 8, it says that they were very angry. Again, these two guys were very angry, and they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. And then verse eleven, if you continue, they're, they're continuing to work against them. It says that in verse eleven that they would get in the middle of them, and right there among them, they would kill and put an end to their work. They were not just seeking to cause a little bit of trouble; they were seeking to put an end to the work that God had called them to. There was a real enemy. They were doing this good work, and there was opposition that came at them. It was conflict. There was trouble that came in the midst of them as they were doing this good work. And I believe that you and I in some way know a little bit about how this feels, how, how, how when you're in the middle of doing good work. And they were doing, again, they were doing what God had called them to do, what Nehemiah had been, what he had, he had been convicted of. And, and God had laid on his heart and put his merciful hands and gracious hands on Nehemiah and calling him to, ta- to, to repair the wall. And that's actually taking shape. The good work that Nehemiah had been called to is taking shape, and in the midst of that, these guys come to stir up trouble. You feel that in our own lives. I, I Personally, I know that, that feeling of kind of making traction. You feel like you're making some traction in your relationship with the Lord, where you feel like you're growing, and, and there seems to be some, some, some movement in that place where you're growing in your faith, and then the enemy comes and stirs up and causes confusion You know what it feels like when it happens here, and I want us to get this, that Nehemiah and the people, what they were doing, they were not provoking these guys. They were not out there trying to start a fight with them. They were doing the work that God had called them to, and that's when the enemy came and stood against them. It's when they were doing what God had called them to that the trouble comes. It's happened before for all, I'm I'm sure for all of us, I know for myself, and I know that it's going to happen again. And I'm convinced that a lot of people that we just don't, we don't understand that these things are going to happen. We get sidelined in our faith. And I'm I'm convinced that lots of individuals have been sidelined in their faith and no longer grow and stop pursuing the Lord. Because in those moments where they have experienced traction, that enemy has come and sidelined and they didn't expect in those moments of good happening, when they were doing what God had called them to, for there to be trouble that came. We have to prepare for challenges. We have to set our mind on the reality that the challenges come. It doesn't, it doesn't keep us from moving forward. It just recognizes we recognize that there's moments in those, in those places where we are growing in our faith in Christ. That we're going to face challenges. Jesus tells us that in this world you will have troubles Sometimes I feel like we just completely forget that God has said that to us. We get sidelined when we see those moments or we see those those times of trouble. Honestly, I would say in the next several weeks... As we move into this season, as we've walked through or walking through the book of Nehemiah and this next initiative and this campaign, our conversations begin turning to trusting the Lord with our finances and taking that next step in our finances. No matter where you are in that journey, for some you've been walking with Jesus and you've, you give faithfully and sacrificially, and, and we're saying, hey, we're gonna have to give above and beyond. For some, you've never given at all. And your next step is just to take that step in trusting the Lord with your finances and saying, God, I trust you more than I trust, trust money and more than I trust these things. And you're going to make that step and you're gonna experience some of these challenges that, that these guys experienced. that some of us have experienced in the past, you're gonna face that opposition. You're gonna experience trouble. And beyond that, I, I believe that there's lots of times when we experience that kind of trouble. And I wanna share a story of, of a family at Rolling Hills that experienced that kind of trouble in the past couple of years.
2: I think that I can see my purpose in my pain. And that purpose is sharing our story. And and our story is hard, and it's heartbreaking, but it's also a a story of forgiveness and a story of being saved. Pete is still very much alive in my heart. He was an amazing guy, amazing dad, amazing husband. He loved life. He loved God. And um, Peter was a drinker. And he drank throughout our marriage. And um, the last five years of his life, he started to drink more and became consumed by alcohol. We were in this community group for two years, hosted it and they did not know that we were drowning. I stayed in a hotel room with my three boys to get away from Pete one night. And I went to um, our leaders the next day and I said, we're not drowning, we've drowned. We need help. And they rallied around us. On uh, March 6th, 2021, Peter died. But in reality, We lost Pete to alcohol two years before his his death. Our world was shattered, completely shattered. Pastor Jeff came to our house. Um, He sat in our living room. And my youngest son looked at Pastor Jeff, and he said, I'm scared that my dad is not in heaven because he did some really bad things. I heard that, and my heart just it sank. And Jeff did such a beautiful job of saying he he was a believer, and he was, and he was saved, and he read scripture, and he just you know ensured Baylor that your dad is in heaven. And he said, "Will you baptize me?" You know, at that moment, this little boy who who just learned his dad died needed Jesus and wanted Jesus and wanted to open his heart up to Jesus. A month later, most of the day that Pete died, uh, it was Easter and Pastor Jeff baptized Baylor. It just was such a beautiful thing. So that just shows you in the midst of the pain, God was with us. He was covering us. That support group and the church and our friends they came around us that allowed me to be open about what was going on and and I never was alone i couldn't see it though i mean god was with me every step of the way god put these people in my world to help me bear what was to come and just knowing we weren't alone was freeing and and i could finally see god and and, and god was hearing me it open my eyes to I'm not I don't have to suffer alone this is God this is his work you know he's our healer he's our comforter uh, he's our redeemer I mean he has rescued me and he he will rescue you that's the good that's going to come out of this
1: I want us to be aware and recognize to be able to to recognize the schemes of the enemy. We're going to face troubles. We're going to face trials. There's going to be moments that, that, that we face this kind of opposition. Uh, some will, some may be tragic as, as the Cook family experienced, but, but, the, but the reality is that God is at work even in the midst of those moments of tragedy, of those moments of, of, of trial and, and sorrow. He's at work. And so we've got to recognize that we have a real enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And I I I feel like we need to to understand it and recognize those schemes because that's the best way for us to respond in the ways that Nehemiah responded, which are which are incredible for us to to grasp onto. The second thing, if you're following along, is this: that we we have a God who is present and can help a present help and can be trusted. We have a God who is a present help and can be trusted. If you look back again at the passage, what it says in Nehemiah chapter 14 says, after I looked looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. He said, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Nehemiah recognizes, he says, hey, we have a real enemy. They're right there. And he instructs them, the response and instructing the first thing that he wants to say to them is don't be afraid of them. And it would be pretty lame if Nehemiah stopped there, right? If he's just said, hey, don't be afraid of them. And, and I can experience what that like that moment of like, oh, thanks, Nehemiah. Just, okay, I'll stop being afraid of these guys and their army that's there wanting to do harm to us. It would be kind of lame. You've helped us feel a lot better. And I, honestly, I feel a little bit bad as I kind of reflected on this this past week. I, I maybe did this to my kids because uh, I, maybe I kind of was like, hey, don't worry about that. It's not a big deal. Just, you know, don't. We were at Dollywood for fall break, and um, there's these things, that, they're like murder coasters, I think is what they're called, roller coasters, I think is what they were called. And I, I was trying to convince them to go on them, not that I was going to go on them, because there's no way, but, but I was like, it's not a big deal, totally fine. you I mean, you'll be fine, nothing's going to happen to you. And they didn't believe me, um, only Kate was foolish enough to do it, but the, um, but the, the, the whole getting on, I mean, just... It would be foolish to say those things and still be in the midst of being afraid of it, right? Just to kind of be like, hey, don't worry about it, right? If we just let, left it there, don't worry about it, don't be afraid. But he doesn't say don't be afraid and let it be there. What does he say? He says don't be afraid. Remember. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. He points the enemy out. He's not ignorant of it. He doesn't, he doesn't try to ignore them and act like it's not there, like it's no big deal. Just, hey, don't be afraid of them. They're just tucked in. He says, listen, we know that they're there. We know that it's a big deal. This, it's probably way more terrifying than we want to recognize. But he says, hey, listen, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. You have a real enemy, but we also have a God who is greater than the enemy. He's great and awesome and we're not alone in these moments and over and over and over in scripture he tells us that we're not alone in 1 John chapter 4 verse or chapter 4 verse 4 he says you dear children are from God and have and have overcome them because you are the ones who excuse me because you because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world Joshua 1:9 he says have I not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be afraid Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Over and over and over again in God's word, he tells us that he's with us, that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. There's nowhere that we can go that we can escape from him, even in the songs that we sang this morning, that even in the depths, he is there. Reminded that he's with us. And we have to, in order to be reminded of of his presence with us, no matter where we find ourselves and no matter how dark the valley is that he's with us, we have to read his word and hear his word to study and memorize and meditate on his word. We have to spend time in his word to be reminded that he's present with us. But not only that, we spend time with each other. If you've been around me for very long, what you hear me say over and over again is the two most important things that you can do is spend time with God in his word and spend time with God's people in worship and in community. Because when we worship together, we get to be that reminder that God's with us. When I hear your story of how God's been near to you, I'm comforted when when I feel that darkness. So when you serve in a core team, you get to be the presence of God to those kids. That's why we say we want you to serve in a core team. It's not just because we need to fill a space. We do need to fill spaces. But more than that, we want you to be the, the physical representative of God's presence for those students, for those kids in moments when they're walking through troubles. When you serve on a core team and greet people at the door in a welcoming place, you get to be that physical presence that says, God is here. He welcomes you. When we serve and spend time together in connections ministries and community groups and care ministries, when you jump on a core team or get in a community group, we get to remind each other that God is present with us, even in the darkest moments. There's one last thing, the third thing if you're following along, if you go back to the passage it says, after I looked over these things again, it stood and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people don't be afraid of them, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families your sons and your daughters your wives and your homes third thing if you're following along it says that we have a great calling that requires steadfast faithfulness this is a The calling that we have is to stand and fight. This great calling, and when we face challenges, when they when they come, we remember that God is faithful and that he's present and he is great and awesome and that we stand and fight. We fight for our families, for our sons and daughters, husbands, we fight for our wife. wives. You fight for your husband's friends. You fight for each other. It's a great calling, dads and moms, to fight for your kids, to stand there and say, we're not going to let these things get in the way of our kids understanding the good and the greatness of the Lord. They may experience trials. We're not hovering over them and keeping them from experiencing those moments. But in those moments, we fight to point them towards Jesus and say, he is worthy. He is near. And he is your constant help no matter where you find yourself. We fight because we're reminded that there have been others who have fought for us. I mean, think about the the reality that there are many people who fought for you before you got to where you are today. If you've put your faith in Christ and you've walked with Jesus, there are people who stood in the gap and fought for you. What if they would have given up early? What if they would have walked away when sometimes we feel like we want to walk away? then, Then maybe you wouldn't be where you are today. I can tell you that, that there's many times that I look back and the individuals that have fought for me, those people that have, that have prayed for me, my parents, my wife who have prayed for me, there's my, my grandfather who there wasn't a time that I left his house or got off the phone with him when he didn't tell me that he was praying for me. Every time we got off the phone, he said, I'm praying for you that the Lord would use you up until you're done. And I believe wholeheartedly that that I'm here today because of the prayers of the people that have gone before me. But what if they would have given up? What if they would have given up early? The calling that we have requires steadfast faithfulness. To remain steadfast no matter what comes our way. To fight for each other, to fight for our homes, fight for our sons and daughters and for our wife and for our family and for our friends. And so what Nehemiah does, as you read this passage, what Nehemiah does is not only does he pray, he begins by praying. It's such an incredible, how, how do we do that? How do we fight? The beginning is that he prays. When they're faced these challenges, Nehemiah is a man of action. If you want to learn what leadership looks like, read the book of Nehemiah. He is a man of action. He takes, he takes on the role that God has given him. He, he owns that, that, that leadership. But in those moments when, when opposition comes, when they're, when they're throwing jeers and, and, and mocking the Jews, the first thing that he does is he stands up and he cuts them. Right? Go back and read it. No, that's not what he does. The first thing that he does is he recognizes that they're there, but he goes to the Lord in prayer. Lord, hear our cries. You hear them, hear our cries louder than theirs. Again, in chapter four, they come after him and rather than going, they come to to oppose the Jews as they're building the wall and Nehemiah prays. And even, even when the enemy is great, he gets smaller when we fix our eyes on the one who is great and awesome. When we put our eyes on Jesus, our enemy, no matter how great the enemy is, he gets smaller because our God is greater. Our God is bigger than no matter how big the enemy is. The reality is for all of us, and I think that this is really important, is that this is not a characteristic that starts in chapter 4 for Nehemiah. It's not when he's faced with this opposition in this moment that he begins taking on this characteristic of praying and going to the Lord and saying, God, you handle this. You fight for us. as I. This is the way he begins to fight. It's not in chapter 4 that he does it. It's all the way beginning in chapter 1. And I would say, I would argue that the fact that he does it in chapter 1 gives a picture that he does it way before then. That when he finds out that things are happening in, 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 in Jerusalem, he says he goes, to, he goes to prayer. He doesn't run in, into the king, king's throne and doesn't say, this is what I need. What he does first is he goes before the king of kings. And for months he prays and he plans. And then he goes to the king when the moment is right. And that kind of action tells me that way before then, way before it was time to stand and pray in the face of this kind of opposition, Nehemiah had set this characteristic of going to the Lord in prayer. And if we wanna be people who fight, who face this opposition well and remain steadfast, then we've gotta be people who today Start by, by making it our, our, our goal and our mission to spend time with God in prayer. To fight first on our knees. To say, God, you, you're the one who delivers. You're strong and mighty. We come to you first. We trust that you are greater. But not only does he do that. As John, as John Bunyan, the, the Puritan pastor, says this, that you can, you can do more than pray after you have prayed but you can not do more than pray until you have prayed. He starts with prayer because you can can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. And so not only does he pray, but then Nehemiah, who's wise, he takes on the responsibility and then he begins to post a guard. If you look in verse nine, it says, but but when we prayed to our God, then we posted a guard by day and by night to meet this threat. And then if you go to chapter six or verse sixteen, he tells of what he does when the when the horn sounds and, and how the men would, some would hold a sword as others would would build, and on and on. They they would not rest. And over and over again, it kind of gives us this picture that he posts a guard, he puts this warning system, a trumpet would blow where they could quickly respond to defend the families in the cities when because they were spread out on the wall, and he instructs the workers to remain ready. And they didn't take off their clothes. They remained ready night and day so that it could defend the city. We certainly need to pray, but we also need to put those preventative measures in place to set a guard to protect our families, ourselves, and our homes, those who are under our leadership and our protection. When I was in... Middle school, we got this little cable box, and was before then we had this. Well, we still had this TV that you turn the knob, right? This is how old I am. You turn the knob, and so we finally got this cable box, and we could watch more than just like Channel Two and Channel Two A, right? And so we hooked up this cable box, and on on the cable was on cable was I can't remember what channel it was, yeah, maybe ninety nine. Uh, it was the it was MTV. VH1 came on at 10 o'clock at night, uh, and so my parents didn't mess with that one, but my my parents didn't like MTV, and so they scrambled this channel. Now, I figured out ways to get around it because I'm a horrible child, but but they saw it, and they recognized that this was a problem, and they didn't want it in our house. And it seemed kind of lame, right? At the time, I was like, that's lame. But they saw something that was destructive for their family. They saw the eyes, they saw in the eyes of a teenage boy and that, that they didn't want this to, to be a part of what he saw and what he took in. And they said, no, the adversary's not coming. The enemy's not coming in our house that way. And they're going to put a stop to it. Again, it, it seems kind of lame. It seems maybe archaic. But, but when we put those measures, when we scramble those, those, block those stations or block those websites in our home today, when we, when we give instructions to our kids that, hey, you're not going to look at your phones or you're, you're not going to be on your comput- computers in private places. You're going to be out in public. We're not going to let you go, go behind closed doors and be in those places. It's, it's not because we're lame, even though they may think that we are, parents. Kids, you may think that. But the reality is that the, the enemy's not knocking on the door and asking that way to come in and stir up trouble and, and bring and, and, and wreck our houses. He's doing it in ways that are sneaky. He's coming in back doors. And so we remember God is strong and powerful and mighty, and then he's present with us, and we go to him to pray in prayer, but we also set guards and protections over our family and say, so this is how we're going to protect our family. We're going to remain faithful to set a guard against the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. We recognize that he is with us and we we take those steps to to stand against him. But we we always remember that we are going to face challenges. We prepare ourselves for challenges by going to him in prayer. By being with him and being reminded of him and being reminded of his presence with us, that he never leaves us and forsakes us by reading his word, by being with God's people, and we set those guards to remain faithful. Not only now, moms and dads to remain faithful and steadfast because our kids needed, our families needed friends to remain faithful and steadfast and step in when we see those problems. I, I don't know what the story, how the story all went in, in, in the life of, of the cooks, but, but to when we see those moments and step in and say, hey, listen, it seems like something's not right. And I want to post a guard here and say, God, God, hey, for you, my brother, my sister, there's something that's not right. So the adversary doesn't come in and destroy families. We want to post that guard and pray and be faithful to, be, to, to continue to walk in faithfulness, to be steadfast and faithful. And remember that it's God who fights for us. Ultimately, that we fight for each other. We stand in, in those gaps for each other. But, but once and for all, we recognize that Jesus is the one who fought ultimately for us. To put sin and death. to to the grave, that we could have life with him, that we could have new life and walk in in faithfulness, that he gives us the strength to do what he's called us to do. And no matter how we walk in those places, no matter how how we're growing in our relationship with Christ, we're always prepared for the challenges that God, that we know that we're going to face because he's told us that in this world we'll have trouble. I want to read this passage as kind of a closing for us. Just a reminder of, what it, of how we walk in faithfulness, how we, how we can step out in this faithfulness. It says in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before us, those who have prayed for us and stood in the gap for us, who were those who posted a guard for us, let us throw off everything that hinders us, and the sin that so easily entangles us. This is our responsibility, right? To throw those things off and let us run with perseverance the race to be steadfast that is marked out for us and fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, to turn our eyes to him, right? Because when we fix our eyes on him who is greater, the enemy gets much smaller. To fix our eyes on him, who endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God because he's gone before us. We can continue the race. We can continue to walk in faithfulness no matter what opposition we face because he faced that opposition ultimately for us, enduring the cross. Let me pray for us this morning. Lord, we thank you for the fact that we get to come and gather in this place and to open up your word, to spend time in song celebrating your goodness and to, to, to read and to study and to hear your word proclaimed. And God, I pray that God, as, as we work through the book of Nehemiah and reminded through all of these passages that you are with us, that you fight for us, and that we will be faithful and steadfast to post a guard against the schemes of the enemies, to not be sidetracked when we face opposition because we're ready for it. But we know that you have faced it ultimately and you endured the cross and have defeated sin and death because you sit at the right hand of the Father. Let us be those who in this great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us, throw off everything that entangles us and run the race that you've marked out for us. Enduring whatever we face, your glory and for your honor. It's in Christ's name that we pray.
0: Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family in your life who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download Church Center, our Rolling Hills app. Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.